Hi, you're listening to Coffee Talk. I am your host, Liv Alliston. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, keeping the lines of communication open, and this re- applies to any relationship, but specifically, we're talking about marriages today. So I have my spouse with me. Say hi. Hello, and I'm back. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and kick it off. How important is communication in a relationship? Well, I think it is uh, a relationship is not relationship without communication. Right. It was a trick question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I win. But it just reminds me of uh, like the Lord, right? He is he is a relationship in and of himself because of the Trinity. And so in the Bible, you have lots of examples of the Father communicating with the Son, the Son praying to the Father, and then the Holy Spirit coming to the Son. And then marriage is is a mirror of Christ and the church and how a relationship is supposed to be. So God models it even in the Garden of Eden when he walks among Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden and, and having conversations and speaking with them. And plus, not to mention, the Bible refers to Jesus as the Word of God. So I think communication is central to who we are as created beings and also to who God is. Mm-hmm. You, you stole my answer, by the way. So. That was my trick. <laughs> So we're going to immediately go to scripture and talk about what does the Bible have to say about healthy communication. So Liv, what does the Bible have to say about healthy (laughs) communication? (laughs) All right. James 119. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Ephesians 4, uh, do you, you have one of one verse that you don't want to read? Right, so Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have it right in front of me, but it says, be angry, do not sin, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity uh, for the devil. And then the latter part of that in verses 29 and 31 and 32, uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come from your mouths, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Proverbs 18:21. the tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath and a harsh word stirs up anger. Colossians 4.6, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Ephesians 4.15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become uh, in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Romans 14.19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And 1 Peter 3.8-11, um, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Amen. Do you feel convicted yet? Because I do on the slow to... What, 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 what even was I, I it? Nev- <laughs> I never feel convicted. <laughs> so we have been married for... Nine almost years. Yeah, good job. <laughs> so almost nine years. But we have been together 11, 
Say it with confidence. <laughs> 11-ish years. Obviously, we're big talkers. Um, but talking does not necessarily equal communication. We, uh, when we first got married, right before we got married, we did Before You Say I Do a marriage class uh, at our church. And we took this big test and, you know, all sorts of stuff to see how compatible we are, what issues might arise in marriage. And our biggest issue... It was like our only issue. No, (laughs) our biggest issue was conflict resolution. That's something that we have struggled with, uh, me in particular, and we've learned a lot. And so uh, although we still are figuring it out and still struggle, uh, sometimes on a daily basis, uh, we do have some things that we've found that really work that we would like to share with you. Yes, so I think one thing that's really important, like I was saying earlier, where does communication, where is communication modeled for us? Well, it's modeled in the Bible through through our God, our Father, and and amongst himself is, is our creator and our savior and, and, and the Holy Spirit. But then where do we also see communication at, at our earliest ages? And that's through our families and our parents and even our friends growing up. And I'll be the first to say that uh, family is not always the perfect model of communication. And I think in our own families, uh, we've all gotten uh, better at it because we've worked at it, but it's kind of an evolving thing. And so even if you have good moments, if you neglect communication and you neglect good boundaries and you neglect listening, then you can you can slip into unhealthy forms of communication. So one thing we learned pretty early on in our marriage is that because of how Olivia grew up and how I grew up, we're very different in the way that we saw our parents model communication and and lack of communication. Whenever we would get into disagreements or have difficult communication, it was a train wreck because we were modeling what we had seen and they were not the same. And I would also say too, um, I mean, I I saw like the, the opposite. So I saw really not not a lot of communication it was more physical like because there was physical abuse in the household and so that obviously uh, uh, arguments escalated quickly so there was no real conflict conflict resolution and i've i've heard of people that their parents they they have a loving loving wonderful marriage never you know not even close to divorce but they don't argue in front of their kids even in a a healthy manner and so when those kids grow up and get married they've never even seen they've seen love in a relationship but they've never seen uh what it looks like to argue or you know talk in a healthy way about some serious issues and that is a a critical thing that we need to see and develop in a healthy way so do you remember one of our first big fights as a married couple i think we talked about it on the one of the podcasts about pillows. Yes, let's revisit that. We just talked about that. <laughs> but it's a great example. So the reason I wanted to bring it up is because in my mind, Olivia was being ridiculous because we didn't have much money and I thought spending more than a dollar on a pillow was ridiculous. But in Olivia's mind, because we didn't have much money, the little things that we could do to brighten up our space uh, was made our home more welcoming. And by the way, those pillows are still in our home. That was an investment, not just a purchase. Right, but that gets <laughs> to my ne- next point, is that whenever we would argue, we had we were just trying to win an argument as opposed to trying to understand where the other person was coming from. And so that I think that's one of the hardest part in communicating, is I think so often people just want to be heard, 
And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But we need to allow the other person to be heard in a way that we're trying to understand what they're saying and what they're feeling instead of trying to conquer the other person. Yeah. Uh, for me, when I my, my biggest thing when Drew and I will have a disagreement is uh, I immediately think, well, he's just out to get me. <laughs> like he wants me to burn and like he wants to win and he thinks he's always right. And so it's a very defensive place. Um, not a healthy response, obviously. And it's uh, like the black gate of Mordor in Lord <laughs> of the Rings. It's impenetrable. <laughs> so uh, I think the, the biggest thing that I would say as a first step is to regardless of how you feel, because feelings are sometimes can be indications of truth, but uh, most most of the time what we feel, especially in like relationships and marriages, is, is not always accurate. And so regardless of how you feel, to just choose to believe this person is for me, like they love me, they have my best in mind. Um, and so when you do that, it, it really takes away that defensive exterior and it really opens you up to actually have a healthy, normal conversation instead of just, you know, throwing insults at each other. And that's a great example. And it reminds me of the Psalms with David. He was notoriously angry all the time. And he would kind of sometimes shake his fist at people and, and even God sometimes. And I think as believers, we feel that anger is in and of itself wrong, but we see God being angry at different points in the Bible. We see Jesus being angry, but in our anger, we are called not to sin. So anger in and of itself is not bad and it's good to express it in healthy ways, but it's also important to, like Olivia was saying, to speak truth to your own heart. So just like in the Psalms, when you see David being angry, he would he would express his anger and then he would say, bless the Lord, O my soul. God is my rock and my foundation. He's my salvation, my peace and my joy. And as you express, you get that anger out of your body and then and then you put back into your body the truth of the Lord. I will say when we first got married, so this is a kind of a funny thing, but this was my piece of marriage advice. Anytime I would go to a wedding after this, um, my mom got us this, um, like air wick air freshener. And it was like a battery operated thing. You hang it on the wall and you insert one of those little aerosol air wick cans into it to make everything smell good. And our apartment really needed some love. Um, I think we've talked before that our apartment was, it was an amalgam of nasty smells. It was, it was so, so many smells going on and the guy beneath his like smoked pot. And so everything kind of smelled a little bit like that. And it, it was icky. So we welcomed the air wick air freshener. <laughs> and, but the, the funny thing is is every you could set it like to different minutes or whatever and so every so many minutes whatever our setting was it would go and like spray release some of the fragrance and so we would be sitting in our apartment having an argument and getting like kind of heated and then it would be like silent and then we would hear and it was just kind of a funny um it reminded me of angels farting And so that was I was my always my piece of marriage advice was to get invest in one of those. It's only a few dollars and it'll really like it just always made us stop and laugh. Um, one of the ways talking about real applicable applicable ways that we can better our communication. Uh, the first thing that Drew and I started doing is and he actually he, he he's always been better at communication than I am. He likes to hear himself talk. He's an attorney. He just can't help it. Um, so. <laughs> Uh-huh. The the first thing that we really started doing that has 
grown over the years. I hated it in the beginning, but we've now, it's just kind of, we practiced it and it's been, it's like a regular part of our day and we'll do it sometimes multiple times a day, depending on situations, but we pray together out loud and we also sit together for just a minute in prayer and just ask God to speak to us. And then we talk about whatever it is that we've heard. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, thing for couples to do just from a, a relational dynamic. So our marriage, I think a lot of times we always focus on the, the relationship between spouses, but it starts with our relationship with Father God. And so I think by praying, first and foremost, we are reestablishing the foundation of our relationship with each other being based on our relationship with the Father. And then secondary to that is it calms everything down. And then by by speaking, we, we are expressing ourselves to the Lord. And then by listening, we're allowing Him to speak truth to us. And a lot of times, you know, it's not about who's right or wrong. And I think in most of our arguments we've understood, it doesn't have to actually do with what we're arguing about. There's usually a deeper heart issue in both of us that is causing us to get frustrated or causing us to be defensive. And so the neat thing is when you do that, is instead of trying to win an argument, you're allowing the Lord to refine your hearts and to to make us more like Christ, which is the whole point anyway. Another thing I wanted to talk about is let's let's talk about some some ways that we communicate healthily, like how to how to have healthy communication during the day because we've talked a lot about trying to resolve unhealthy communication. Yeah. So one thing, Drew and I like to talk and we like, we're phone people. And so it's a little easier for us in some regard because we already enjoy talking and communicating. Now it is say, I will say I enjoy talking. I don't like talking about deep things and sometimes like spiritual, like spiritual things as far as like biblical knowledge, I can talk about all day. But as far as what God is teaching me and what he's working on, you know, in me and stuff like that. Anything that really is emotional for me, it's kind of hard for me to talk about. And so Drew actually, I love it. <laughs> he draws it out. And one thing that we do is it's changed a lot over the years. We we used to carpool every day to work together. And so that was built in talk time. I think we've talked about that before. And then now we have small kids and that is like, the refining it's, fire of the Lord. <laughs> it's it's really hard to, to talk with small kids. Now, babies, it can be like a little easier because they can't understand. But like our oldest, we spell a lot of things that he, you know, because he can't spell just yet. He's uh, just is about to turn four. And so he we spell a lot of things that we would maybe not talk about in front of him because, you know, little ears. But pretty soon we're not going to be able to spell anything. And so that's going to be a whole new level of communication that we have to learn. But one of the things that we've started doing, I think that has been healthy, we haven't done it very long, but I think it'll produce good results is taking time either in the morning uh, before the boys wake up or in the evening after we put them down and before we just jump right into TV or movies or something else that kind of numbs our mind and helps us recharge uh, is talking a little bit. How was your day? Is there anything you want to process? What's going on? My issue, though, is I have to be careful not to poke and prod too much because I have a tendency to want to pull out things that I think are in Olivia that need to come out. 
Uh, AKA he likes to perfect fix. and shepherd me. Yes, <laughs> and that is not my role. My well, role, it is your role to shepherd, but but not to not to fix. Yeah, God's job is to fix. My my role is to to love, serve, and sacrifice for Olivia, like Christ did the church, which is an incredibly difficult thing to do on a daily basis. But I think that has been really helpful. Just having a few minutes to give each person a chance to talk and to reestablish our relationship because TV is great. There's nothing wrong with it necessarily, but uh, it, I think is, is a couple, especially when you have small kids in the house, we have to keep our relationship primary because the kids have a tendency to, to supplant that. And if we don't have a good relationship, it won't flow down to them. And, and they're learning from us what it looks like to be a husband or a wife in the future. Yeah. And I will say just, you can start off small with just a few minutes, like five minutes. It doesn't have to be anything big and deep and drawn out, you know, whatever that will come with time and with practice. But one really good way going back to this one good way to do that and to kind of hear what's on the other spouse's heart is to pray. Because when you pray together, you hear what that is on that other person's heart and mind and what they're thinking and dealing with and processing. Um, and then from there, that's a good like segue into, okay, so, you know, you prayed about this. So is this bothering you today or, or how are you doing with this? And so I think that's a good way to just kind of uh, have a window into their heart to see what they're dealing with and what's on their weighing on their hearts. Another thing I want to talk about um, that we talked about in preparation for this podcast is believing lies of the enemy. This is a little bit tied into the defensiveness of you're just out to get me and you know you, you don't have your my best in mind. When you believe certain lies about yourself or about your spouse and you refuse to kind of let go of those and replace those with the truth of God's word, replace that with the truth that your spouse does love you and have has your best in mind, then you're not going to hear what they have to say. And you are not going to hear whatever you do here is going to be heard incorrectly and through that lens. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think depending on the relational dynamic and how long and how deep the wounds are, Olivia and I were talking about it, how important it is to have godly counsel as an, as an intermediary. Uh, first and foremost, Christian counseling. And it's not just about counseling. Counseling is good, but counseling from a Christian perspective with a counselor who is led by the Holy Spirit so that they can not just give you canned book advice. They can be listening to the Lord to give them wisdom into, into what issues are going on in each of the, the each of your hearts. And I think that's huge. But there's such a stigma against counseling because people think, oh my gosh, they're going to counseling. They're on the brink of divorce. Mm-hmm. And counseling is how to not get right. divorced. That So it's just like the enemy to to stigmatize the one thing that can sometimes be such a salve and a healing thing for a relationship. So I would just, um, if, if that's you, I would just pray about it. And if you don't even know where to start, then find somebody that you know and trust that has a healthy marriage or somebody at your church, an elder or a pastor, and ask them if they have any recommendations. But that's huge. I personally think people need counseling on an annual basis, regardless of the issues. Yeah, we do that regularly and, you know, believe others should just to make clear the air, make sure you have healthy communication. There are no underlying issues that maybe you haven't dealt with, you've pushed down or, you know, whatever you haven't had time to deal with. Um, and then also, you know, obviously if you, if your marriage is not in a good place, sometimes you just need a mediator, someone who's objective to hear both sides and to tell you, you know, you're, you're mishearing this person and you might be in the wrong. And so, uh, I, I think, you know, praying about 
counseling, investing in that uh, for your marriage. Um, because like Drew said, marriage is a reflection, a mirror image of Christ in the church. A relationship is a big deal, and especially in a marriage situation. Uh, it's nothing to be taken lightly or to brush to the side um, or to elevate uh, your kids above or anything like that. This is uh, serious business. And so you're making, when you get married, you make a covenant between you, your spouse, and the Lord. And so you need to take that seriously, just like you would any commitment to the Lord. The other thing that I wanted to bring up is and talk about just for a second is how easy it is as a married couple to start to drift especially with kids in the house and, um, and you know, working jobs or staying at home or just all the things that, that we do as, as a couple. And, and so just the importance of remembering to date your wife and to date your spouse and make sure that you are pursuing them as much as you're, uh, I guess, secondary to your pursuit of the Lord. But one of the kind of telltale signs that I feel is, is evidentiary of where your relationship is is go on a date with your wife and see how easy or difficult it is to have a conversation without your cell phones. And it, I think it's pretty exposing of, of where your relational status is as far as are you deep? Are you, are you nurturing one another? Are you in a good place or a bad place? And it's not to, it's not to judge anyone or to judge yourselves. It's to allow room for growth and development and you can tell about one of the fun, just a fun, easy thing to kind of, if you have trouble having conversations that aren't about your kids or looking at your phone. Yeah. So one thing that I do sometimes to mix it up, because like I said before, Drew and I do talk and we make it a regular practice to talk. So sometimes we don't have necessarily anything big, left to talk yeah, about. There's, sometimes there's nothing left to talk about, but we still obviously want to be present and engaged with one another. And so sometimes when we don't have anything deep to talk about, those are my favorite kinds of times. <laughs> when we can just have fun. Um, I have gone to Pinterest and I just kind of, or you can Google the this or that or uh, date night questions with your spouse. And there's just some really fun things. Uh, And most of the time, like, you know, it's like, hamburger or cheeseburger well I know what he's gonna choose you know but there was a couple things that we went over that I was like seriously I didn't know that you would prefer this over this or um and so some of the and then some of the date night questions um they just get you thinking about dreaming together and stuff like that and so then it's it's a fun way of communication and it's also another window into your uh spouse's heart uh, just kind of see where their dreams are and you know uh, awaken that kind of thing I think this is a fun journey and a fun aspect of of marriage, it, it, I think communication can be daunting, it can be frustrating, and it can sometimes make people want to shut down and go away. And for those of you that feel that way, I just pray that you that you just press into the Lord and that He would give you the strength and the peace and the courage to keep walking forward and to keep working on this. Because the more healthy you get in this area, it's it's an adventure and it's it's a journey with your spouse and you're continually getting to know one another because hopefully as we walk and grow in the Lord, we are not static. And so Olivia might know my preferences, but as I grow in my faith and my weaknesses, I hopefully overcome some of those. She will see me change and grow. And so you're actually getting to know a different person the the more that you open up and the more you talk and grow together. Yeah. And so one of the things with communicating to prevent miscommunications and more hurts to feed the lies of the enemy. One thing that um, we've, we've done, and I don't probably do enough, but um, is, is when the other spouse is speaking, you listen, like 
actually listen. And then you basically repeat back to them, this is what I heard. Because a lot of, I think, communication and arguments starts with miscommunication. Um, And then, like we've said before, the lies um, of the enemy that you may believe about yourself or your spouse or different issues that have uh, you've seen played out in your families and in your uh, parents' marriages, all of that's going to come into play. Some other ways for communication with arguments and such, I would I would recommend trying to deal with them in the moment and not letting it build up and fester. Uh, I know that with kids, like we've said, it's kind of hard to do that in the moment uh, when everything is kind of going crazy and people are screaming. Or it's also hard, you know, when you have kids that can understand what you're, you're saying. So lately what we've been doing is, you know, putting, uh, on the TV for a quick second or making sure they have their food or their snack or they're playing well together for just a split second. And then we go away for just a minute and, and either we talk about it quickly to where it's resolved. Uh, maybe it's a small minor issue, or you can just say, you know, we can talk about this later, but just know that I love you you know, immediately address it and then make sure you circle back around later and actually talk about it. Yeah. And what's really interesting now with COVID-19 and shelter in place in the background is that communication is kind of like a fuse on a, on an explosion that, you know, because we're all trapped together and there's not our regular routines that, that we're used to in the, in the space and the separation that we get, we're always on top of one another. And so I think there's a tendency for things to get really heated really quick the advantage to this is that those are just issues that have always been there and the Lord is allowing them to come to the surface. So don't be afraid of those issues. Just choose to deal with them and let the Lord speak his truth and shine his light on those things. And then, you know, since we are together so often, we normally don't have time to do projects together or play board games or talk or laugh or, or I don't know, watch a date at home movie, uh, Mm -hmm. just kind of continue to get creative and to make it fun, even in this kind of crazy situation, knowing that this won't last forever. And this is a unique time that all of us across the country and even the world have time to work on our, our lines of communication with our spouse and our families and, and just treat it as a, as an open-ended staycation that God's given us. Just a, a circle back around with date night. We try to have a regular date time, and sometimes that looks differently. So a lot of times we'll wait for the kids to go down, and then we'll, you know, we will have waited to eat dinner so that we can actually eat dinner together in peace with <laughs> with not helping anybody else eat theirs. So sometimes we'll eat dinner together afterward, um, and then we'll, you know, watch a movie. Sometimes we read next to each other, uh, do something like that, work a puzzle. And then uh, when we can go out... We go to restaurants. Uh, Drew has a motorcycle, so sometimes we'll go on a motorcycle ride. Uh, You can go on a walk through the neighborhood. Uh, So there's lots of ways. You don't have to spend a ton of money. Now, I enjoy spending money. (laughs) Boy, does she ever. I enjoy having money spent on me because it makes me feel very valuable. Um, But when you can't do that, because there obviously are seasons and times of life where that's just not you know, a reality when you can't do that, just be creative. And, you know, like I said, go to Google and Pinterest and, you know, find some fun, creative date nights uh, that are inexpensive. What else do we want to cover here? I think that's pretty much it. We're done. The lines are closed. (laughs) We've we've communicated all we know how to communicate. No, I do want to do want to cover one other thing really quickly, how your relationship and specifically your marriage affects your 
witness to others and also your relationship to God. So, you know, like we've mentioned multiple times, the marriage is a mirror image of your of Christ and the church, and it's not to be taken lightly. The world, uh, they look to us to show them God's love. They look to us to be different. I think is that just like we were saying earlier that our marriage is a reflection of the relationship between Christ and the church. And, and it's important. And so our marriage is not just important insofar as staying married, being a good example to our kids, and, and looking healthy to your neighbors. It's about showing God's love to everyone around you, including your kids. And so everyone talks about ministry and missions and all that kind of stuff. Well, your first mission is your home and your family. And if it's a wreck, you need to address it and you need to let God heal it because that is the primary way that we reflect Jesus in the church to the world. If I was a non-Christian looking in a Christian marriage that was in shambles, I would not want what they have. That would reflect poorly on God. You have to talk to one another and you have to communicate. Everything else will flow out of that. And I think the final thing is just be patient and give yourself grace. And your spouse a lot of grace. Because God Mm -hmm. has already given all of us so much grace, more than we could ever deserve. We're all a work in progress. This is not about being perfect now. It's about the journey to becoming perfect like Christ is perfect. So there is a calling to perfection, but we cannot do that on our own. So it's really about yielding to the to the work of the Holy Spirit in each of us. And, it, and if we allow Him to work in us and we are patient in His timing and in His way, then it's a beautiful thing. And we get to, you know, years from now, look back and see, wow, look what God has done. Everything in our lives, specifically relationships and especially marriages, is to refine you and to make you more like Christ. So, yeah, you better believe God is going to use your spouse to bring out issues in you uh, that need to be brought to the surface so that he can conform you into his image. And a shout out to the movie I Still Believe. It's the bio of Jeremy Camp and his story. That is a great date movie. It is. With a box of tissues. You will cry the entire time, but you will also be feel more close to your spouse and not take them for granted because that's the the big thing too is i i tend to take you for granted a lot because you're always here um (laughs) it's the government's fault (laughs) um so no but i think even more important than that just taking each other for granted is that it's a beautiful picture of how god intended marriage to look and the sacrifice and and the selfless love Mm -hmm. that is supposed to i think so many christians um, it just just because we're in America, we're, we're consumers. We want to have our needs met. We want to be cared for and loved. But our call as a, as a, a married couple is to serve the other person and meet their needs, uh, regardless of whether ours are being met or not. So it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. So watch that movie. It's really good. Yeah. So um, good luck communicating. <laughs> we'll be praying for you. Just remember, you know, not to, to elevate kids above marriage. It's really easy to do, especially when they're little and needy, uh, because at the end of the day, when they go off to college, it's just the two of you again. So make sure that you invest time, energy in your relationship with your spouse. Um, Yeah. As they say in Veggie Tales, God made you special and he loves you very much. (laughs) Goodbye. Signing off.